When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. Well, you know, it's that time of year. College decisions are coming out. and We're hearing staggering numbers on the news on how hard it is to get in some schools. I have another perspective to share with you today. Also, I have to follow up on a recent podcast where I talked about my all-time favorite pastime, which is travel. My wife says that I'm happier in an airport than I am anywhere else. That's not quite true. But I'm going to tell you how to navigate a time where the prices for travel have gone crazy. But right now, I want to talk about college. So there are are a small number of colleges in the United States that are elite colleges that are accepting the smallest number or percent of applicants they ever have. Not number, but percent, because the number of applications they're getting have been going up and up. A lot of families freaking out, having kids who are, you know, on that serious college track apply to tons of colleges, more than people used to. It's really easy now to send in multiple applications to a zillion different places. And then it's like this negative feedback loop where they're absolutely spazzing out about, oh, well, am I ever going to get in there? Or how am I ever going to get in a good college? So this is something that you should not freak out about at all. Even though there's this very small number of colleges that are very difficult to get into, there are thousands of others many of which are great, great schools that accept most applicants. And if you think about, if you talk to a college advisor, they'll say, okay, so we need a safety school. This is a safety school. And you'll go visit and you're like, well, this is actually a pretty great place. And so as the acceptances and rejections come in, please do not feel at all like this is do or die. It's not. You're going to be fine. I was turned down by the college I wanted to go to, went somewhere I didn't want to go to, and it turned out I had a great time, and it turned out to be a fantastic stepping stone to what's happened with the rest of my life. So that's number one, chill about the whole college acceptance rejection thing. Second, A lot of people are wishy-washy on college these days. There's a lot of stuff being written, typically by opinion writers who went to college and their kids went to college, but they're not really sure you need to go to college. Well, the thing is, there are lots of steps between college and no college. And I'm a big believer in the need for what are called middle skills, jobs that require some education or training, 
that lead to a wonderful career path. And the opportunities are so great. And there's more focus now on making sure you get that opportunity for a good career path education at state-supported technical colleges and community colleges because both have seen a tremendous drop in enrollment that started in 20 early in the pandemic and continued. And because it's been so easy for young people to get jobs now, people have said, I don't need that school. But there's a difference between being able to get a job now that pays more than it used to and being in a job that leads to a solid employment future for you, a solid career path. And so I'm very, very excited by these programs, and I've talked about them for years because this was a concept originated in the state of South Carolina that the state technical colleges and community colleges would go to local employers and say, what do you need? What skills are you not seeing in the marketplace so we can teach those? And they do these cooperative efforts with employers that you go through a program and you do well in it, then you migrate directly into employment at a good pay level with an employer that that program was designed around. And you're going to see more and more of this around the country. It may even be available right where you are, where you live right at this moment. So there's a lot of things between worrying about going to some prestige school and not going to college at all. And this is one of those places that as people have turned negative on education, I want you to rethink the opportunities that might exist. I was talking to a friend of my son about the opportunities available being a licensed electrician and what's involved in doing that. And that can involve an apprenticeship program where you get paid to learn. And then when you're done, you do well, you become a licensed electrician. This is the kind of thing I'm talking about is look at the jobs out there that pay well, that are stable, that offer opportunity in something you might be interested in. I want to give another path. Being an airline mechanic. Airlines are terribly short of mechanics. The job pays extremely well. And now any of a number of community colleges and technical colleges around the United States are doing programs that they're doing in cooperation with one of the nation's airlines that are terrified they can't find workers. So opportunity is there. You just got to seize it. Krista is here. And I am here. Krista, the brains of our operation, no. the COO of our company, is here to ask questions you posted for me. And Krista, you get just about a zillion questions each week. Yes, a lot of people want to ask you questions, um, but we do have our Off-Air Consumer Action Center in case we can't get to your questions, because that's what kills me, um, is we just can't help everybody. And you can find their number at clark.com slash CAC and give them a call if 
I don't read your question. This one's from Cody in Minnesota. I'm considering an MBA, which I estimate will cost around forty to $45,000 total, and I'm trying to find ways to help pay for the cost to limit my out-of-pocket. I regret not pursuing more scholarships and assistance with undergrad, so I want to handle it right this time. My my work provides tuition reimbursement, which should cover about 20000 Is there a good website to find scholarships or other programs which can defer some of the remaining cost? Also, if I choose to borrow the balance, what are the best loan options for grad school? And Cody, I got to tell you, that is a very affordable as they go MBA tuition level. I remember when you were looking years ago at an MBA, the programs you were looking at were all 120000 or more. No, some were sixty. Oh, you I found a sixty. Yeah. <laughs> as I remember, you were quoting some of them to me, and they were big money. And this is years later, and mm-hmm. Cody's found a forty to forty-five thousand. So, Cody, normally for undergraduates, I talk about FastWeb, which is a search site for college—you know, obscure college scholarships. Very heavily emphasizes undergraduate. You may find some stuff there, but my favorite place for you to look is actually a person, and that is professors in the business school. You might find that being a graduate assistant where you were teaching undergraduates at that university is one of the best ways for you to really get to know people in the university, among the faculty, and pick up some money. And you pick up great experience that will be helpful to you in your career you do already if you are a graduate assistant. You may even be involved in research for a professor you're getting paid for. You may end up being uh, considered to be a published author helping a professor on his or her publication or book. So as far as loans for grad school, this one's hard because even with interest rates having gone up, as they've gone up generally in the economy, for graduate school, a lot of the private loans or lower interest rate than the grad loans you can do with the feds. You're going to have to compare the rates available under the grad student loan program that is government-supported versus what's available in the private loan market. Uh, SoFi is one of the largest of the private lenders for student loans, but there are many others as well. And I hope you really enjoy your MBA program. I'll tell you, Having a master's in business is one of the best things that happened to me and helped me through my life. And you worked your way through yours, too. Well, mine was, okay, I was, we should just tell very quickly, a lot of people know this, I was a bill collector for IBM through graduate school. And as long as I got a B or an A in a course, that's B as in boy, not D as in dog, as long as I got an A or B, I would be reimbursed. I had to lay out the tuition, and then IBM would reimburse it. And what a deal. And I had always been a pretty indifferent student. I remember my first term in grad school, I made a 3.9 I'm on a 4.0. Because <laughs> I did not want to <laughs> not get a course reimbursed. There were no C's through my grad school days. Carol in Oregon says, Clark, thank you for all the great wisdom you give me over the years. I generously pass it along to the rest of the family and know they do not give me eye rolls when I start my advice with, well, Clark says, 
I need your help on this one, though. My single daughter is planning to buy a home in the fall in Texas. She is considering renting out a room to help lower the financial burden of the mortgage. My concern is if she gets a bad renter, how can she get them out quickly? It's one thing to have a bad renter and quite another to have to live with someone as you try to evict them. And she says, I'm a nervous mama. All right. So, Carol, um, in Texas, I don't know what the eviction laws are in Oregon, but in Texas, it's really, really easy and quick to evict a tenant. Um, but you said something that set off alarm bells in me. So when your daughter is looking for a place to buy this fall, I'd like for her to buy a place that has a garage apartment she can rent out, you know, like a room over the garage or a basement apartment, something that is a separate entrance, kind of like a separate dwelling inside the property because then you aren't having basically someone who comes in as a stranger living inside your place using your kitchen leaving it messy or not whatever as long as you buy a place that has the ability to have separation for that tenant then it's a much lower stake game and then it becomes just a really positive revenue thing and then you're not going to be a nervous mama. This is from Gregory in Wisconsin. I typically open two credit cards per year for the generous welcome bonus, and I always pay them off in full. Recently, I submitted an online application for a new Amex card with a great welcome offer, and the application said I would be allowed the card, but based on my history of opening up credit cards, I would not be offered the welcome bonus. Have the credit card companies finally stopped us deal hackers in our tracks? Will I ever be eligible for welcome offers again? Yes, you will, Gregory. So you must have an existing American Express card. American Express is on to you and others, just like Chase. Chase started this first, and both of them have uh, rules that they don't hide from you. Each will tell you, are you eligible? You can ask, am I eligible for the sign-up bonus as an existing customer? And they'll look at your record and they'll say, yeah, you can do one more application right now. Or no, you got to wait another 12 months or 18 months till you can do one. Or no, we're never going to give you a sign-up bonus again. And there may be other issuers doing this as well. But the only two that we've heard from people about are American Express and Chase. Chase used to allow you to get sign-up bonuses up to five cards, five different times. American Express never was that generous once they went to the cap. And as to how many Chase will allow you to have right now and get a bonus from each, you want to ask the question before you do the application. Now, straight ahead, we're going to talk about something that I'm getting panic calls about is people try to book summertime travel and they're suffering from sticker shock to the max and i want you to know this is a problem everybody is having we're going to talk solutions ahead this episode is brought to you by reese's peanut butter cups in breaking news leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. 
Find Reese's now at a store near you. People are getting a shock at airports. Uh, recently, I was reading stories about what's going on at Austin, Austin, Texas, at the airport there uh, on a recent Monday morning. The airport was so overwhelmed that people couldn't even return their rental cars. The line to return rental cars was a half a mile long, and people just abandoned their cars. They were told by the car rental companies, just abandon your car and leave the key in the car. And eventually, the car rental companies got the backlog out of the roadways. It apparently took most of that day. And then the security lines were so many hours long that people who didn't have pre-check ended up not making their flights and having to be rebooked. And many didn't even make it out of Austin on that Monday. Now, this is the worst example I've heard, but everybody's been caught flat-footed by the instant increase in demand in air travel. I mean, as soon as Omicron went into the background or whatever you call it, went in the rearview mirror, Everybody all at once who loves travel decided, hey, I'm going. And so the planes are full beyond measure. And the price of tickets has gone bonkers. My sister called me recently because she was having trouble finding decent airfares. And so I started looking whether and I said, well, you could go here, not there and things like that. And so... I don't know that she ever ended up taking one of my suggestions, but if there's ever been a time to follow my prime rule about travel, it's this spring, summer, and fall. Do not pick your destination first, unless you're having to go to a wedding or something like that. Having to go to a wedding. That was terrible what I said. Instead of uh having the joy of going to a wedding and you can't tell them, oh, you need to change the date and the place. But with travel this year, flexibility is going to be absolutely essential. And there are also three new discounters in the United States, two of prominence, Breeze and Avalo, that are not that well known and are flying a number of routes around the United States I don't get complaints, at least not yet, about either of them. You've got the three traditional deep discounters that people have learned to really complain about, (laughs) Allegiant, Spirit, and Frontier. But I want to tell you something about these five airlines. So you look at their route maps, and that helps you figure out where, even if you don't want to fly one of the five of them, where you're going to find better deals on American United, Delta, and Southwest, JetBlue, is where they compete with the five deep discounters. And so if you use, it takes just a minute, you go to any of the airline websites, they're happy to show you their route maps. Uh, They're these spaghetti lines they show you of the United States and the Caribbean. And so you can see where they're flying and look at routes like that if you don't want to fly one of them on or on one of the regular airlines, full fare airlines. I forgot to mention Alaska. Anyway, you, you can look and see 
because those are the routes you're going to have the best chance to find a deal. Also, international travel has not come back like domestic. And one of the weirdest things right now is you possibly could find a much cheaper fare outside the United States, you know, from the United States to somewhere else than you can find within the United States. Very unusual as a summertime travel pattern. I think about um, Krista texted me the other day and you said there's this deal to Costa Rica that was 120 round trip. It was crazy cheap. And I mean, it was unbelievable how cheap it was. And it was for travel all the way into early 23. 23, yeah. And so there are these deals that are popping up randomly for travel outside the United States that are much cheaper than you can do a short hop flight within the United States. So the more flexible you are about where you go, when you go, is going to help you save money. And then remember the August rule. Don't know the August rule? Okay. So I mentioned the August rule last month. A lot of schools, particularly in the South and the West, go back early August. So August used to be the most expensive month of summer to travel for accommodations and also for flights. Now, because so many school kids go back as early as August 1st, depending on where in the country, it has sapped a lot of the demand for family-oriented summer vacations, making especially the second half of August and beyond a cheaper time to travel than you would see otherwise. Right. And let's go to questions. You have some travel, travel questions. Ones, don't you? Yep. David in North Carolina says my wife and I are traveling to Europe in September for our 35th anniversary. Congratulations. Normally, best prices for international travel are about three months out, but right. in looking all the sites at all the sites Clark recommends, th- travel three months from now, it just went up this week about $300 round trip each ticket for each ticket. I'm assuming due to the surging fuel prices, September tickets are still $300 cheaper as of today. So if we're leaving in September, should we wait for June to purchase the tickets or purchase now? So usually you want to buy tickets for mid-August to Europe, mid-August to end of November. You want to buy those tickets in April, May. That that does not follow the 90-day rule. That, that what's known as shoulder season into early low season, the best rates each year tend to be in April and May. There are a number of new routes that several of the full fares are establishing for travel to Europe this summer and fall. And look and see if you can find it any of, like go to American United and Delta's websites and look for their press room and see what announcements they have about new routes to Europe and see if you can snag a deal on a route that they're going to start flying to that nobody's really talking about knowing about yet. And that's how you may find your best deal. But I would say April, May, that's your ticket booking window. Maybe go to New York for an overnight too for your anniversary. Well, that's true. I should have said that. Sorry. Um, The fares out of certain gateways are much cheaper to Europe than they are in the rest of the country. You're in North Carolina. You can get to 
New York probably very cheaply, Boston very cheaply, sometimes Chicago will have much cheaper fares, but particularly New York and Boston are much more competitive for flights to Europe than other places in the country. Also being in North Carolina, sometimes you'll find much cheaper deals out of Washington Dulles Airport or BWI, which you could, it's not the easiest drive, but you could drive from North Carolina up to the D.C. metro area. You might find a much cheaper fare to Europe. This is from Dave in South Carolina. I have a child going to Disney on a school trip, and she needs money to spend on food, etc. I don't want to send her with cash, and I'm not really interested in the prepaid card route since it's yet another financial thing I have to manage. My child already has a checking account with USAA with a debit card. My thought is to send her to Disney with that debit card and then keep only a small amount of money in her checking account while she's there to minimize the financial hit if the card's lost or stolen and her account's compromised. Then once she's back and we're sure the account is safe, we can move all the money back into it and that we took out before the trip. Is this a reasonable idea? It is a reasonable idea and maybe more work, Dave, than you need to do. And thank you for your service to the country being a USAA member. You were a family member, served in our U.S. military, serving our great nation. I appreciate it. So USAA... Uh, says you have zero liability when you use their debit card. And so even if it was compromised, what would it mean is that you would be out the money for a few weeks before USA would restore it. But it's an extra precaution moving the money out till after the trip and then moving the money back in. If that gives you more rest at night, do it that way. You can also set a daily limit for how much can be taken out or spent on the card on the USAA website. Which might be a good idea for Regardless. a kid at Disney because who knows what they'll oh my spend, gosh. right? Yeah. Lynn in California says, I loved your segment on credit card rewards miles on your podcast. I just booked a Germany Christmas market vacation for 2022 a month ago using our miles. All of our rooms are free in three German cities, Munich, Nuremberg, and Rothenburg, and one airline ticket. The total savings was $3,500. Since I didn't have to use our earned income for that portion of the trip, I invest the $3,500 savings into my wife's Roth IRA a week later. I've been doing this for 16 years. Okay, I love it. I love it. You have the strategy. You've been able to work with credit card reward miles. So you take these wonderful trips for free. And my wife, Lane, and I have done that same swing from Munich to Nuremberg to Rothenburg. And it's a great, great trip. I would love to do that. And this is from Vicki in Ohio. I recently joined Scott's Cheap Flights. I'm hoping to find cheap flights for travel to Europe in order to catch a cruise. I'm finding them on Air Portugal and Scandinavian Airlines. Are these airlines stable would Clark feel safe booking flights on them in order to catch a cruise? Okay, so Vicki, um, if you want to check out any airline, just put in a, in your search engine, Google or whatever search engine you use, Skytrax, the name of the airline, and you'll see what kind of rating that airline has. SAS has a very solid rating. Um, you know, Air Portugal is a product that has been through uh, times that people have not really liked flying them that much, but they seem to have their act more together. The guy who founded JetBlue, and he's the same guy who, who has founded this airline, Breeze, that I mentioned earlier, uh, Neil, Jeff Neeleman, he uh, was involved in the turnaround of Air Portugal. So 
I would feel comfortable flying on either of them to Europe. But remember my rule for when you're going on a cruise with Europe you or Asia, you want to arrive two days before your cruise. So if you have a flight problem, you've got time to deal with it. For a domestic cruise, you always want to arrive one day before the cruise when you're flying so you can deal with flight delays, cancellations, and the rest. And I want to tell you how much I appreciate you listening to this show, and I hope you'll join us on Clark.com. Be a part of our newly relaunched message boards. We listened to you, we heard your feedback, and we have now improved our message boards. I hope you find them improved. And I'm really excited about how most people on the message boards are members of Team Clark who are providing assistance to each other. And I appreciate us being a community of service to each other.